0: In a shameful chapter in Chicago police history, a unit led by former police sergeant Ronald Watts terrorized residents of the Ida B. Wells housing project on the city's south side, fabricating charges, planting evidence, and framing residents for crimes they did not commit. In 2013, Watts was sentenced to 22 months in prison, but many of the people he allegedly framed still suffer. So far, 115 people had their convictions tied to Watts, dismissed, including five who had felony drug convictions thrown out last week. But 83 people still wait to find out if their names will be cleared. The next exoneration hearing is scheduled for January. Soon we'll hear from Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox and also Clarissa Glenn. Her and her husband's 2005 convictions involving Ronald Watts were both overturned. But first, we meet Joshua Tepfer, an attorney with the Exoneration Project. He represents more than 150 men allegedly framed by Ronald Watts and his team. And the scale of the harm done simply cannot be quantified.
1: Essentially for a decade, every single day, this corrupt group of what so-called tactical team just... Watts-led running their own drug line and planting evidence on people and basically just tormenting a community, Um, all African-American residents, all Housing Project residents. And this just went on on a daily basis for about a decade.
0: We are joined now by Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox. Let's add her to the conversation. Welcome back to Reset.
2: Thank you for having
0: me. What are you doing, State's attorney, to correct the wrongs that may have happened to the remaining 83 people awaiting exoneration?
2: Uh, certainly. So first, I want to, you know, thank Josh and Clarissa for their advocacy on these issues and bringing these cases to our attention. Um, our office has been working over the past couple of years, um, as these cases continue to come through, to look at the cases on an individual basis, identify patterns and practices, and things that we can identify that show us uh, that this was part of corrupt behavior and moving to have those convictions vacated. It is a excruciating process that we know is incredibly frustrating in terms of pace, but doing our due diligence to make sure that we vacate the right convictions.
0: The alleged incidents in, in these cases happened years, um, some decades ago. If Watts was convicted in 2013, why are these alleged wrongful convictions still not resolved?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, the... Fact of the matter is is that from 2013 until I took office in 2016, these cases were sitting. And again, it was the advocacy of the exoneration project to work with our office to say how can we come up with a way to get through these cases and be able to find a just result. And so it is, to your point, these are old cases. And for us to do our due diligence sometimes requires us to go back, talk to people, witnesses, review files. Um, that is an exhaustive process. And so, you know, it is debilitatingly slow, uh, but we're being deliberate in our efforts.
0: Clarissa, I want to bring you into the conversation here. Can you share your personal story with us? Um, Hi, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning.
3: Morning. Um, I was wrongly convicted by these corrupt officers from Ronald Watts and his team. Laws have been passed where I was able to receive a certificate of innocence. So I wanna thank the office for that. But moving forward, it is um, a challenge. And for the 83 people that are waiting to hopefully be exonerated, um, they're still being prosecuted. It's like no one is still believing them. Even though that the cases are on the desk, state attorney's desk, I assumed that it was a process. And I understand about the process where the case have to be evaluated one by one, but how much more time do we need to rectify this situation? Mm-hmm. Because we are putting people's lives on hold.
0: State's attorney, 115 people have already been exonerated, as we, we mentioned. All of them say that they were harassed and intimidated and, and extorted by Watts and officers working with him. Beyond clearing their names, do you think that we as a society owe them something more? Absolutely.
2: Clearing their names doesn't return to them Um, the time that they lost from their families, their freedom, uh, the inability to be able to fully participate in society even once they were out because they had a conviction on their record. This is but a part. And I have to say that I do credit Clarissa for having a conversation with me when we were doing this a couple years ago, who says, you know, no one ever apologized to them for what happened to them, um, these men and women. Uh, were victims of Sergeant Watts, and we try our best to make victims whole, in however that happens, whether that's in the criminal court or civil court. But the reality is what happened to these men and women were that they were victimized by not just Sergeant Watts, but a system that allowed for it to happen.
0: We are already seeing several lawsuits filed against the city and the police department over Ronald Watts. Are you expecting to see more and, and the city potentially having to put out multi million dollar settlements?
2: You know, my job is not uh, as corporation counsel for the city. Uh, my job as prosecutor is to do justice. And where we see that an injustice has happened, I have an obligation to write that. Um, the consequence or how we atone for that or pay for that, you know, is taken up by a separate body. But I think, and Josh has made this point many times before, you know, we can eliminate or alleviate a lot of these costs by having a criminal justice system, a police department where there's accountability for these types of actions. And so, you know, we pay for it either in the long run or make the investment early on to make sure that we are engaging in constitutional policing, that we don't have folks on our departments uh, who get away with this for so long where we ultimately get to it and it has a significant personal human and financial cost.
0: Trying to think of whether the damage that these officers have done could ever be repaired. Like how do you make up for the years in prison and the years of struggling to find a job with a felony on your record?
2: I mean, I think Clarissa can speak to that far more adeptly than I can. I can tell you that what I am able to do in the court system does not in any way make up for those experiences. And and I don't even pretend that we can. But we owe a responsibility with whatever resources and whatever means we have to do our part. But the loss is devastating. And, and I don't think that we as citizens appreciate enough, you know, that we celebrate, oh, we vacated a conviction, the damage that has been done not just to that individual, but, again, to the people around them, to the communities that they come from. Um, it's generational. It's multigenerational.
0: Is the police department doing enough to prevent this sort of misconduct from happening again?
2: What I will say is, you know, I think one of our, you know, challenges is that, you know, on every single case that comes through the Cook County State's Chinese office has a police officer as a witness attached to it. You know, one of the things that we in this administration have taken very seriously is making sure that we have the evidence uh, necessary to pursue cases. You know, what in what they were doing, you know, in making an arrest and presenting that evidence to the state's attorney's office. There was a prosecutor who approved those charges. Um, if these were felonies, these were felonies that came through our felony review unit. And so it wasn't that he was acting in isolation. A system was working in concert, even if they didn't know it, right? There were pleas that were uh, given and taken. Mm -hmm. And so from our vantage point, we want to make sure, you know, if there's bad behavior by one of our partners, that we are not complicit by not checking it, that we aren't rubber stamping cases that come before us. If the evidence isn't sufficient, that we don't move forward on cases simply because it was presented to us. On the policing side, you know, certainly there's a consent decree at place. Certainly now there's civilian oversight that's been approved, but it's an ongoing effort. And I think the checks and balances, even on our side, as checks on the state's attorney's office, is what required to make sure this doesn't happen again.
0: How do you restore faith in law enforcement between the black community and the police when they hear stories like this?
2: I think first you have to just acknowledge it, tell the truth. I think so much of the frustration, particularly by communities that have been impacted, the Ida B. Wells community, for example, is, you know, people talk about the rift between, you know, police and communities as though somehow the community has done something wrong. And, you know, what Clarissa has said to me, you know, people were crying out and they weren't believed. And so I think you heal it by acknowledging that that harm happened, giving voice um, and centering the people who were harmed by it and having them have a seat at the table on what repair looks like, but this, you know, it's us versus them mindset. Um, That's not going to get us there. And I think too much of the rhetoric, particularly around criminal justice reform, has been the reluctance to believe that this needs to be reformed, that it has fundamentally been flawed because of what happened um, with Sergeant Watts. So step one is acknowledge the harm. Step two is center the people who have been harmed um, and step three is work with them to build the repair. We can't build trust if the people who we have harmed aren't at the table.
0: That is Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thank you. Attorney Josh Tepfer and Clarissa Glenn are still with us. Uh, Josh uh, is with the Exoneration Project, and Clarissa and her husband's 2005 convictions involving Ronald Watts were both overturned. Back to you, Clarissa, and your story here. I wonder what the reaction was from law enforcement, even friends and family, to your story. Did they believe you, or did it just sound outlandish?
3: Um, My friends and family did believe me. They knew that um, I was strongly convicted. Many of them have knowledge of who Ron Watt is and some of his members that was on his team at the time. So um, it was very surreal, and I had very, very few doubters.
0: You pleaded guilty to make sure that your three children remained with one of their parents. Now, besides the devastation of your kids not having their father at home, your own conviction came with its own consequences, right? Yes, I did.
3: Um, I have lost a lot of opportunity, employment opportunity, housing opportunity um, programs, and even. Started- How did you lose a
0: housing opportunity program?
3: Um, because it's funded by the government. Mm-hmm. And when you have a Class X on your background, you automatically lose a lot of benefits that you uh, were participating in to better yourself. And that's what I was doing. So unfortunately, because of my uh, conviction that was given to me, I lost so much, which made it much difficult for me to actually provide for myself and my family.
0: Joshua, none of your clients seeking exoneration are still imprisoned. But collectively, they've served some 270 years behind bars. What would an an exoneration mean for them?
1: I mean, it means everything that it meant to Clarissa. I mean, Mm -hmm. this narrative of this idea that it's less important because they finished their terms. I mean, I'm here to tell you it's just a false narrative. I get these calls over and over and over again about like, why is this still on my record? Why is this happening? And I mean, to me, I appreciate everything that Miss Fox said about, you know, the vetting of charges now and, and making sure they're not a rubber stamp. But it's not being applied post-conviction to this. I mean, we already know she used the phrase constitutional policing. We We know it wasn't constitutional policing that was going on and there's nothing that forbids that office from going back and saying we just don't trust any of these last 83 or any of the others because we know that there was I mean, we have 115 examples of unconstitutional policing now and there's just really no evidence that they would approve these cases today we know they don't trust these officers they wouldn't call them and so This idea that we have to be so, so careful and so, so diligent not to undo uh, the wrong conviction. I mean, it's just stands in stark contrast to the fact that there was no care in in convicting these people in the first place. So Mm -hmm. it's I find it it, it's really frustrating to hear. I mean, especially when I'm dealing with these 83 people who have no understanding of why they haven't gotten the same relief 115 other people do. And I, I don't have the answer.
0: Do you think that the number of people framed by Watts and his team far exceeds the 200 we've heard about so far?
1: I mean, I think there's no question that there's other convictions out there that need to be rectified too. I mean, we only take cases of people who come to us. Um, There's co-defendants on cases that we've never heard of or heard from Mm -hmm. those people, you know, people who have died. There's juvenile cases uh, that need to be dealt with separately. There's, and then there's just the routine misdemeanors. I mean, these people were falsely arresting people for trespassing in their own apartments constantly and and getting these misdemeanors out there. And so, I mean, it really probably just scratches the surface. But that's what just happens when there's a decade long of unconstitutional policing by corrupt officers that just goes unabated by the city.
0: Clarissa, I'll ask you what I asked State's Attorney Kim Fox. Can the damage that these officers have done ever be repaired?
3: Uh, No, it cannot never be repaired. Time cannot be given back to the families and to the victims. It's unfortunate that it took so long for a voice to be heard. It's shameful that we have to continue to wait for acceptance, for belief, for a relief. I just hope that even though 115 people' case have gotten overturned, including myself, I hope that that is not a Band-Aid to cover the situation, to say, hey, we did something. But now we're just going to continue to wait for the rest of the remaining victims that need to be exonerated and to feel some type of relief. For what Ronald Watts have done in a community, many, many, many people, of course, have not went through the system, have not been charged by this particular team. But people have been victimized. People have been belittled and, and hurt. Mm-hmm. because of what this team of officers have done. So they're not being compensated or they're not being hurt because they did not actually go through the system as far as having a case on them. But it is a lot of hurt within a community that these officers have done. We're just asking for someone to continue to do the right thing, not continue to put us on hold like we are in prison. Let them have relief. Let them enjoy their life or try to pick up some pieces. Right now, these 83 people still have this conviction on their background. So moving forward with their lives, they're still basically on hold and in prison.
0: Joshua, what do you say to your clients who now have to wait until January for the next exoneration hearing?
1: You know, I, I, <laughs> I've i been extraordinarily tongue-tied for the last week. I, I, I don't, I can't. I'm I'm tongue-tied right now. I don't have the answers. I don't. This has been two, three, four years. Many of them have been waiting. And, you know, I have not gotten any information from the state's attorney's office or anywhere else that has shown to me that any of these cases are any different than any of the 115 that the state's attorney has lost confidence in and that those that have already been certified innocent by the court. So, I mean, I I don't have the answers for them. And I just I guess I just share their frustration and their frustration is very, very palpable and real.
0: Just a couple seconds to go here. Clarissa, Are are you feeling hopeful at least that state's attorney Kim Fox will try to right the wrong that's been done here to the remaining 83 people?
3: Um, I have no answer for that. What I would like to say is that it would be really nice if the system can just show us good faith as far as expediting these cases, having a program for wrongly convicted people to help them be placed into city, possibly city jobs, because mm-hmm. a lot of these people, including myself, first case is from Ronald Watts. So help us get into the city jobs. Help us get job training. Help us get back into our programs that we lost. Yeah. Have a system set up just for the ones that were wrongly convicted. Listen to our story. Bring us back in court. Do not wait another two, three, four years to possibly overturn yeah. our case. Yeah. That's it's, it's a shame.
0: We'll have to leave it there for now. That's Clarissa Glenn and Joshua Tepfer of the Exoneration Project. Thank you both. Well, that's it for today's Reset. You know, it may take years for victims and alleged victims of Ronald Watts to be made whole again. As Reset follows their search for justice, we hope you'll stick with us and subscribe to this podcast. And while you're at it, give us a rating. It helps listeners find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow.